tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 71. Billy Graham has always been one of my spiritual heroes, so I was really excited to talk to his granddaughter, Ruth Rachel Lotz Wright. She's also the daughter of Anne Graham Lotz, and she and her mom have written a beautiful book on passing our faith to the next generation. She's going to share a lot of stories about her grandparents, as well as the faith lessons she's learned from all the beautiful examples God's placed around her. This is a rich episode. I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the living room, Rachel Ruth. I'm so happy you joined us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, Well, I think almost all of us are familiar with your famous family, uh, your grandfather, Billy, and grandmother, Ruth Graham, as well as your mom, Anne Graham Lotz. But I'm excited to learn about all of your beautiful heritage that you've been surrounded with on both sides. But it's a delight to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and what brought you to write this book. Well, so I am uh, married to a high school football coach. So in so we love football in our house. And um, I've got three girls, though. So 19, 18, and 15. And, um, and so it's been quite a transition for my husband to go from, he, he grew up with all brothers and all boy cousins. And so to have a house full of girls is a new thing, even after 19 years of having one. And, and so that's really where my heart for this book came from years ago, actually. I felt like the Lord was putting the burden on my heart because just from going to like birthday parties with my girls or going to their school and talking to other moms, I felt like what I was seeing in their kids was their moms or their parents, you know, they love the Lord, they went to church, but but their kids were like, they they didn't know about the Lord. They weren't, it wasn't important to them. And in the way that I was raised and the way I've raised my girls is we talk about the Lord all the time. Mm-hmm. So you know, since they were little. And um, and I felt like I was seeing a disconnect. They weren't passing it on to their kids and not like I'm not pointing fingers at them. They may not know how, you know, right. they just may not have had that example in their home and not know how to pass it on. And so that's really where the burden came for this book. I, I felt like for whatever reason, God was so sweet to place me in the family that I did. It was his grace in my life to have two sets of grandparents that both love the Lord, both in ministry, and then my parents that love the Lord. And so I saw it in my home growing up and in my grandparents' homes and stuff. And so I thought, I've got all these stories in my head. And I love stories. I I love telling stories. I learn from stories. And so I thought I would just love to write a book where I just describe kind of what I saw growing up to see if it helps some parents, you know, that may not have had that and and may want that example for them. So that's kind of where it came from. Mm, That is so powerful. Well, the book, Jesus Followers, Real Life Lessons for Igniting Faith in the Next Generation has just come out. And, and I, you know, I think you're so right because you, we've got a lot of, of Christian women who really can kind of have been motherless in the faith. They, they came to know the Lord um, after they left home or, or maybe they were Christians, the only one in their, in their home. And so to have this really beautiful heritage and to know how to pass it on 
can be really challenging. I know for myself, um, I was raised in a beautiful Christ-filled home. I feel just like you. It's just God's grace. How did how did I get so blessed to be born to Cliff and Annette Gustafson? And yet, you know what's interesting? I'm only, I believe, the third generation because my mother's father and mother didn't know the Lord. They came to faith at 34 years of age. Um, my dad's parents, um, his grand, his father came to the Lord. Uh, they had, he had a really wild past. And yet that decision changed the course of heritage to the place where I feel as blessed as the granddaughter of Billy Graham. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Oh, that is so neat. So it's powerful to think that our our choices can literally the, be the hinge for generations to come. And so this is a beautiful handbook to help us. Um, kind of, could you just unpack sort of the things that you guys have focused on in this book to help people? Yeah. So, so what my mom did in this book, because we did it together and she um, kind of did the introduction and then there's four parts to the book. And so for each part of the book, she, she did the introduction to each part. And then I wrote all the stories. And so, um, but she took it out of the genealogy uh, in Genesis, just following. So you've got Adam and Eve, and then there's Cain and Abel and Cain kills Abel who loved the Lord. And so it's like, oh no, but then, then Adam and Eve had Seth. And so through the line of Seth, if you follow it through the genealogy there, it was passed on that love for the Lord was passed on and you see it coming out in Enoch, you know, you see it coming out in Noah. And, um, and so just following some of that, how, how important it is to pass it on. And, um, so that, you know, our children and our grandchildren can know the Lord and we don't have that stopped. And it can start with you. Like you were saying with your grandparents, if, if you didn't have a godly home growing up, you know, far from it, then it can start with you and yeah. the way that you love the Lord. And I think that's the main thing out of this book is if I could sum it up in one thing, the main thing is the way it's, it's the way we live our lives. We have to be authentic in the home for our love for Jesus. So if we're like my grandmother used to always say, you know, if you tell your kids to eat spinach, but every time you eat it, you gag, you know, they're going to be like, I'm not going to eat spinach. And it's so, it's so important for us to just show our love for the Lord, you know, and just tell our kids what we read in our devotions that morning or how God convicted us because we had been doing this. And then he showed me this in the word and be honest with your kids that way and show your excitement for him. You know, if we're bored half to death in our devotions and we're bored when we tell our kids about the Lord, you know, just like, yeah, I don't know. I just, or we go to church and we're falling asleep during the service. Why would our kids want a, a faith in Jesus? And so they have to see, we have to be ignited in our own faith with the Lord. And I think that's a big thing when, when they, when our kids see us doing that, you know, they, they want what we have. And, um, and so we can't be big fat phonies, you know, we have got to live it out for real. And so make your faith your own and, and then let your kids see that, that often authenticity in your own life. I love that. I love that. You know, that's really what my daddy did for me. He Aww. he loved Jesus and my mother as well, but he was so excited. He's he's an a one-on-one evangelist. Uh, and and um and so there was it you're so right. It was so alive. 
But and we were faithful to church. I'm so grateful for that example. They kept getting me in a spot where I could encounter God, you know, which I think is so important. But it wasn't just Sunday. It wasn't what we did once a week. It was Jesus all the week long. And but how do we do that? Because life life is so busy and we want to have a passionate love with for Jesus. But I think we would all say we go through seasons of dryness. We go through seasons where busyness kind of pushes the intimacy that we need off the plate. Um, how did you see Jesus lived aloud in your parents as well as both sets of your grandparents? Yeah. You know, it's so neat. And I do write about this in the book because my, um, I remember my, both sets of my grandparents in their Bibles. I remember their Bibles being open. In fact, my grandpa, my dad's dad was a preacher in New York city in the Bronx and big, tough, strong man, deep New York accent, you know, just says it like it was. And, um, but I remember him over his Bible with a magnifying glass because his eyes weren't good. And he would just Mm. read it, read it, read it. And and he loved the word. He had me sit there next to him and read my Bible while he just listened, you know. And and I remember my both of my grandparents. So my mom's parents, we called them Daddy Bill and Teta. Teta means old lady in Chinese. And she grew up in China, was a missionary kid, and so she wanted us to call her Teta. And so we called her Teta. And um, so she had such a great sense of humor. But um. But both of them were always in the word. In fact, the older they got, the worse their vision got. And so they had their people that worked for them blow the scripture up like in big block letters and they would put it all over the house. So wherever they went, they could read, they would be reading scripture, even though um, they couldn't really open up their Bibles and see it. It was kind of blown up on big pieces of paper. And so just that importance of um, following God by reading our Bibles and staying in the word. And I saw my mom doing that. I would come down in the mornings every single time I would come home from school or get up early. Mom was always over her Bible. She was studying her Bible. And my dad, I would come down late at night because so many times I had problems sleeping when I was younger. And and I would come downstairs and late at night, my dad would be on his knees in his tiny little study and praying for us. He had his Bible open on the chair that he was kneeling in front of. And, and so they, the word was very important to them. And, and then we would talk about it and discuss it. And, and so I've wanted my girls to find me the same way. So if they get up in the mornings, they'll find me in my Bible, or I teach a Bible study every week. And so I'm always having to study. And so they always see me study my Bible. And I'll say, and I always make sure they have, I have chairs where I'm studying so that they can come and sit down. And so they'll sit down and then I'll say, listen to this. I was just studying about Jacob. You know, I was just studying about Abraham. And let me tell you what God was telling me through this. So, um, so I think that is the biggest thing we can do for our kids. We have to ingest it ourselves. We have to be in the word, even if it feels like a dry time, even if you're going through, a, you've just gone through a divorce or you've just lost your job or you you have some illness, that doesn't mean we put our Bible on the shelf. So so even in those times, our kids are watching, you know, how's my mom and dad going to handle this hard situation? And they'll still see you in your Bibles, you know, still having joy, even in the midst of trial. And, um, and that's what I saw, you know, my grandmother, she and I talk about this in the book, she 
really suffered physically and so really bad, like had, I don't know how many hip replacements and all these difficult things. And so she, um, I remember one weekend she had just had a hip replacement. My sister and I went up to visit her and, and we walked in, she told us, don't leave until, you know, you come in and say goodbye in the morning. And so we walked in and even in the, in the middle of pain, you know, she was just joyful, loving on us, concerned about us. And, um, and so that's what we saw. That's what, what was, and you can't fake that, you know, when you're in the middle of really bad pain. And, um, and so that joy came out and it, and it really comes from bottom line, staying in the word. And, um, if we stop reading our Bibles, we become dry on the inside anyhow, you know, and, and, uh, and, and how do we handle these situations if we're not in the Bible? So I think it's just a fundamental basic. So, yeah. And I think, I think encountering the God of the Bible as well, you know, where it's like, we're, we're really approaching the word as this is God's word to my heart. And, and I found, you know, it's so funny because though I was raised in a Christian home and in a wonderful church, I didn't really learn the disciplines of quiet time and really being in the word until I was 28 years of old old and really began to learn how to read the word in a way that it became alive. And I think that's what you're saying. You can't fake hunger like that. That hunger is created from meeting Jesus. And then all of a sudden you can't get enough of it. Yeah. And, and I think too, if you don't feel that hunger right now, that doesn't mean it's not going to come. You just practice it. You practice, you read, you read, you read, and then God will ignite that. He may want to increase your faith. You know, are you going to keep studying your Bible even when you don't feel that response when you're reading it? So I just challenge you to stay in the words. That's so good. I, I, one of my favorite verses is found in Ephesians and it say, I keep praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will help you know him better. And so approaching the word, you know, not just, not just opening the book, but inviting the Holy spirit to make it come alive. I know for me changed everything. So here you are, here you are with such a rich legacy of life, of faith, having three beautiful girls that you get to pour into. Um, how old are they? So my oldest is 19 and then 18 and 15. So my oldest is going to do cosmetology school. She's kind of working her way through that. And um, my middle one is just, she's in the pre-law track and she's studying Russian as well at Baylor. Wow. And, and then my youngest is a freshman in high school. And so interesting stages to be in. And, um, but it keeps me on my knees a lot. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, I just think about the ages. How, how did, how did your walk with Jesus, what it did, did it look when you had two babies under two? Oh, it was, it was crazy. Cause they felt like twins. I mean, it was, they were 17 months apart. And, um, and so it was just constant doing stuff, you know, diapers, diapers were everywhere. And, just the always the not sleeping good at night and there's just a lot of activity and lots of prayer and um and it was but I really loved it. I'm one of those moms like every stage yes. is just a lot of fun to me, even if it's a lot of work. It's it just I really ate it up. I just think kids are funny and they are just full of entertainment all the time. And so I really enjoyed it. And I think that's an important thing 
to do as a mom, you know, just to make sure you enjoy yeah. it, just enjoy their funny things or, you know, even the mistakes they make, just embrace yeah. them and just love them, love them all the way through. I mean, that is the biggest thing we can do is just love them, love them, love them, love them. So, yeah. So now you've got, and we were talking before we went on that you've got two of the girls out of the house and they're, they're launching into their own lives. And, and now do you ever feel that a little bit of anxiety of have I prepared them? What's going to happen now? Is that kind of part of the heart behind this book as well? Yes, it really is. Because I really had a struggle. In fact, in my Bible study, I'm I, last year I taught through the first half of Genesis. And when it came to Abraham, the point where he had to sacrifice Isaac, it was when, so my oldest didn't move out of the house until last January. So it's, um, that was kind of a new experience for me. She was ready to go. I mean, ready to go. And so, so she moved out, but, but then just kind of watching her and the struggles she was going through and, and me just like, she's not under my roof and I can't be there every day to encourage her. I don't know what's going on. And it was hard for me. It really was. It kind of revealed in me, um, that I did have a bit of a control problem. <laughs> so I had to lay that down on the altar. I literally had to, her name is Belle. And I had to say, okay, Jesus, I'm putting Belle on the altar and I'm just surrendering her to you. And it was hard. There were lots of tears. It was, I really had to, in a sense, sacrifice her to the Lord, just give her over to the Lord. And, um, and still it's a process I'm going through because I see things in her life that, okay, this isn't the best, uh, you know, decision and maybe she shouldn't have done this and this, oh, you know, just kind of pulling my hair out a little bit. And, but I have to just keep going back to the Lord and just say, no, I've surrendered her to you. And I know the Lord is going to see her through this. And she has a foundation that has been laid where she's been raised on the word. She knows the truth. And I just have to trust that all that that has been taught, that the Lord will bring it back, you know, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. And and so I just have to trust that all the things that she's doing, she's just kind of getting her feet, you know, her her legs used to walking on her own, you know, like when a little baby horse is born and and they're a little unsteady at first on their own. But then, you know, they do fine. And so. So I'm just really praying her through and she's, she's had a lot of difficulties in her life with mean girls and, you know, tough friendships and and stuff like that. So I, so I think there's a little bit of that when you let your kids go, um, we really have to trust the Lord to them, you know, that, that the Lord is going to watch over them, that we don't have to control their every movement that, um, that God will see them through. But I think it's a trend, the transition for us then is to pray, pray, pray. I think that's where these battles are won. Amen. And um, yeah, for teenagers, we really need to be praying because the temptations out there for them are just mind blowing. And and then the false teaching that's coming at them from all different directions on TV and re- everywhere, you know, that, that we just have to really be consistent in praying for them. Yeah, it's almost as we 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 spent we spent their childhood planting seeds, and, and now we're going to water them with our prayers, right? Yes, exactly, and see that fruit. 
and it's going to be a process. I think uh, I love that you guys use the analogy of passing the baton well, and I can't help but think of the Olympics that were just this summer, you know, and here's like the fastest women in the world put on a team. And I think they didn't even have a chance to really practice maybe one time, the particular team, but you watched in order to pass the baton. Well, the one who had been running at, they they're they're coming the person in front of them that's going to receive the baton begins running but that person who's been running full tilt has to slow down right and i'm wondering if that isn't a little bit of the picture of we we've got to now slow down a little bit so they can get up to speed as we you know and just re- isn't that i like that analogy that's so neat that's a great point yeah and then there has to be a point where we let go and trust that the Lord's going to help them carry that baton. I know, you know, now as a mother of two 30-somethings, which, oh my goodness, makes me feel so old, um, I really had to learn transitioning mothering, mothering, especially spiritually speaking. You know, I'd been the voice. I'd been, unfortunately, at times, the Holy Spirit in their lives, maybe more often than I should have. And so to begin to just trust God at work in them as he'd been in work and me. I think that it really is kind of what you've been walking through, Lord. I give them to you because otherwise it's like we keep running them. You know, we've got the whole baton and we're pushing them along and they never really get to run. I know it's so true. And my, my oldest is, is here locally. So I get to see her every now and then, but my middle one is all the way down in Texas and so, and, and she's not great about calling because she's so busy. I mean, so busy yep. with her workload and stuff. And, and so I've had to do the same thing. In fact, yesterday, just once again, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I've got to surrender her to you because it's so hard not knowing, you know, not knowing what's going on. And, and, um, and I know she's doing great and loves the Lord and everything, but, but just, it is, it's just that letting go and just trusting the Lord. Cause you know, the Lord's like, I've got it. I've got it. I've got them. I'm taking care of them. I will see, see them through. Yeah. I wonder if it's not a little bit of what John the Baptist had to say when the, mm-hmm. when the, his disciples said, well, everyone's going over to Jesus. And, and he said, oh no, this is how it's supposed to be. He must increase and I must decrease. And it's a little bit of that, I think, in the spiritual realm, and yet still staying engaged in intercession and prayer. I love you've divided the the book into four sections, our witness, our worship, our walk, our work. Maybe if you could pick like one element of, of maybe your mother's life that in those four areas that just really impacted you? Was it her worship? Was it her witness? Was it her work? Was it her walk? Well, I think, um, I feel like I can see so many of the stories. I can see all of those things in, you know, the different examples of how she lived. I feel like, um, one thing I remember this, I wrote about it, but, um, my mom is very bold. Like she does not hold back. And, um, and so she was at this conference in Davos, which is like all these very brilliant people come together for this big think tank kind of thing. And, um, and they had asked my mom to come to Switzerland to, to, you know, speak up and and just join some of the sessions and stuff. And mom felt like she had missed an opportunity to, 
you know, get up and share. And, um, and so she was sick about it. She was on the plane flying back and just, just kind of just so upset. Why didn't she speak up? Why didn't she say that? That's what she was dealing with. And then there were two movie stars on the plane. And, um, and so we put it in the book, but it's Angelina Jolie and, and Brad Pitt. And, and my mom knew, oh, the Lord's given me an opportunity. I've got to, I, I bombed it there, but now I've got to speak up. And so she um, goes through this whole process of prayer, but anyhow, ends up sharing the gospel with them and just kind of knelt down next to their seat and shared the gospel with them. And um, and so she was bold. It doesn't matter if it's somebody like that or, or we were actually flying back on a flight where the president of Pakistan was on it. He was just a row in front of us. Um, President Musharraf and and my mom was like, I'm going to share the gospel with him. I know I have to share the gospel. And so we get into the airport and the president was standing in the airport, a baggage claim, like I, international wow. flight. And I just didn't think that that would happen. You'd think that he'd have guys to do that for him. But, um, but anyhow, he had his security team all around him and I knew they were just going to body slam my mom <laughs> when she walked up to him. You know, I was like, I couldn't even look. I told my sister, I was like, I can't even look. And, um, and mom just goes straight up to him and shares the gospel with him, right? Looks mm-hmm. right in his eyes and shares the gospel with him. And so I saw that kind of boldness and fearlessness over and over that it doesn't matter if it's movie stars, if it's the president of a, of a, you know, kind of terrorist kind of country situation, or if it's somebody at, you know, when she's in her cancer treatments that would just walk up to her and mom would share the gospel with them. No matter where she goes, she she does that. She doesn't care about mm. herself. She doesn't care about what people think of her. She's just so bold, you know, in her witness. And so it's so important for us. And I feel like her example has set the example for me. It set the example for my kids. And um, and so, you know, that was a, a big influence, a big impact on my life. And um, and so um, one that I hope that people will see just through these stories that I've written in the book. So I'm sure you get asked all the time, what was it like to be the granddaughter of Billy Graham? Uh, well, and I always tell people, I don't know anything different. It's like he was, you know, my grandfather. And the great thing about Daddy Bill was, I, you know, I would see him up on this stage in front of all these thousands of people. But then back home, he was still the same person. He wasn't different. Like I didn't see him losing his temper or telling people, go do this for me and go do that. He was so humble. Mm. I mean, just so sweet, very, very much a Southern gentleman. And um, and he would hold, he loved to hold hands. He would hold my hand and ask me, you know, what, what has Jesus been teaching you lately? And tell me about your Bible study. And, and the older he got the, you know, he was at home. And so we had this wonderful time with him. We could just sit and talk to him for hours. And, and it was always about the Lord. It was always talking to him about the Lord and, um, and we would read scripture together or I'd read it to him when he wasn't able to read anymore. And so, um, so he wasn't a different person, yeah. you know, when in behind closed doors, he was almost more so s- sweet and kind mm. and thoughtful and always remembered stuff about what was going going on in my life. And he would ask me about it. And, 
And I remember this one time, um, I didn't even put this in the book, but um, I was in the hospital for six days. It was awful. And um, I did put that part in. But um, but my grandfather called me multiple times a day in the hospital, just checking on me, praying for me over the phone. And um, so he was wonderful because as it should be, like he, what he was giving out, he was putting in by his study of the word. And then it was coming out every area of his life. So, um, so just, he was the real deal. (laughs) So, yeah. I love that. I had a chance to interview my two older kids, um, just Um, talking about, you know, helping our kids love Jesus and the church, you know, and, um, and it was, that was the thing they pointed to. Uh, Their dad is, I could just go on and on because he's just the most Aww. wonderful man and he's everything Aww. you said about your daddy, uh, your grandfather. Um, but they said he was the same man in the pulpit as he was in the home. And I think I think that's so important as parents to understand that, you know, if if we may be raising them right, but if we're not letting the truth of of Jesus and the and the grace of God change us, then it's like too two different married, two different messages. And unfortunately the way we live speaks a whole lot louder than the things we do. Yes. it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, um, we've got to be authentic in the home. Yeah. Well, this is, oh, this has just been so good. I feel like I could just talk to you forever, but what would encouragement would you give to parents today? Because we are, we're living in, I, I mean, just even even in the 15 years since my kids left high school, my oldest left high school, it's a whole nother world. And it's a whole nother level of honestly, I mean, this, this might sound very judgmental or maybe puritanical, but just a whole nother level of wickedness. It is. And so how do we, how do we equip our kids? How do we raise them to where, there's a moral compass uh, as well as a spirit of God living within them. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's like what we talked about to pray, you know, pray for your kids all the time, pray for protection over them from the temptations that are out there from all the stuff that's coming at them. Just pray in fact, I, I pray every day that the Lord would just surround my kids like the mountains surround Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a verse in Isaiah yes. like that. And and that the Lord would just surround them and protect them from, from the false things that they hear or the temptations that come. And, um, and to stay in the word, you know, give them scripture. And I think, too, when we do have so many bad things that are happening around our world right now and in the news and scary, scary stuff, that I think we as parents, we can't be afraid. Yeah. We cannot be fearful. Mm. And and I think fear has, the spirit of fear has descended on the entire world. Mm. And we have to be so careful to fight that, that we are not going to bow down to that at all. We're not going to be afraid no matter what is in the news, no matter what threats come at us, no matter what happens that we have, we serve the King of Kings yes. and the Lord of Lords, that he is in charge he is mighty. He's capable of taking care of our little families, you know, that he he is very mindful. He's present. He knows what's happening in your life. And, you know, it's not just the big, awful things that are happening in the world, but individually, everybody I talk to is going through difficulties. I just talked to a dear friend this morning whose daughter was rushed to the hospital and she's in college and 
and she has to fly to go meet her. And just just tragedies are happening in individual families' lives and difficulties and hard things. And we think, what in the world is going on? It's because the demons have been unleashed because they know their time is short. You know, the Lord is getting ready to return. And it is a time for us to be focused. It's a time for us to be in the word, to not be afraid, to be speaking peace over our kids, to be praying for them, and to really show that joy in the midst of all these hard things that are happening everywhere, because God has it under control. We do not need to Amen. be afraid. And um, and he is going to rescue us, you know, when the time is right. And um, and we just need to keep being, you know, soldiers for the Lord, just keep marching through all that's happening and um, and he will see us through. But I think that's a, a big thing our kids need to see in us right now. And um, that we're not, we're not rattled. We're not shaken by what's happening. Um, but we're, we stand on a firm foundation. Amen. And that's, and that brings us back to our own walk with God. We've got, we've got to get in touch with the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Yes. Yes. I was just thinking about Philippians 2 verse 15. It says, um, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And we have this opportunity in this really, really dark world to get in touch with Jesus, to, to know what he says it supersedes anything that's going on in this world and let his life and his light shine through us. And, and boy, I think you're so right. As mamas, we've got to choose faith over fear. Because, boy, there's a lot of fear. So I would just love to have you pray for us as we close this time. And um, also, before we go, though, would you tell us where can we go to find more about the book and more about you and your ministry? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go on my mom's website. Is We, we have things on there together. So it's annegramlots.org. And so you can find everything about the book, Jesus Followers. You can find um, a link to join our Bible. It's my Bible study that I teach. It's free. And um, and then, um, or you can go order the book on any, you know, Amazon or wherever you go, buy books, it should be there. So, um, so we would love to have you. So, yeah. That's great. Well, we'll definitely put all of those links in the show notes, but uh, Ruth, Rachel Ruth, Ruth Rachel. <laughs> we were talking about this good old Southern name. Twister, I know. Uh, I, I, it's just been an honor to have you with me, and I love your heart for Jesus. You wear him well, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. I love him so, and you do too. I've just so enjoyed this. Will so. you pray for us yeah. as we close? Yes, absolutely. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for just this special conversation, Lord, where we can talk about you and how thrilling it is to be in a walk with you, that where where we study the Bible, where it says Enoch walked with you or Noah when no one else did, Lord, he walked with you, Abraham walked with you, all these people in the Bible, Lord, that experience this relationship with you that was so fulfilling, even when no one else was. 
Lord, we want to be men and women that in this day and time, when we become the few, Lord, that are walking with you, I pray that we would showcase your glory, Lord, in the way that we live, that we would be vibrant, um, authentic um, followers of you, followers of Jesus, Father, that um, through the way that we study our Bibles, through the way that we have joy in the midst of really hard things, and through the way that we do have faith in you when everyone is so fearful um, because of everything that's happening, Lord, would, would you just help us as we walk with you? And for those, those listening who aren't walking with you, who don't maybe have a relationship with you, I pray that today yes. they yes. would surrender their lives over to you and confess their sins to you. Just tell you that they're sorry for their sins, that they want to ask you into their lives, that they know you died on the cross to take mm -hmm. away our sins. You shed your blood. You went through all that pain so that we could be set free from our sins and that today they can they can be cleansed of their sins and tell you they're sorry and ask you to come live inside of them and, and that they can begin their walk with you, Lord. So I pray that those listening who haven't done that would do that today, Lord. Would you just help them in that? And Father, would you help those of us who are trying to raise kids in this wicked world, Lord? Would you help us to um, know how to pray for our kids, to know how to be that light for them, Lord, to be able to share scripture with our kids and to pray over them and speak words of peace over them, Lord. And and um and I pray that you would just help us to be great parents, Lord, because we all want to be. And um and Father, we just so look forward to your return. We so look yes. forward to seeing you face to face. And so would you be with us till then, Lord, just encourage us and strengthen us in our walk with you and help us to be those um authentic Jesus followers. And we pray all this in the the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it really touched my heart when Rachel Ruth led us in a prayer for salvation. You could feel the heart of her grandfather and the heart of Jesus really come through. If you prayed that prayer and received Jesus as your Savior, I hope you'll go to the show notes and find resources to help you grow in your faith. You'll also find links to her new book as well as her mom's website because it is a treasure trove of riches, you guys. We're all leaving a heritage, whether we realize it or not. Will it point to us and our little lives or will it point to the life that is found in Jesus? If you've been feeling dry in your faith or a little cold in your heart, I want to encourage you, reach out to Jesus and ask him to do something new. He wants to breathe on the embers of your faith and set us on fire so that we pass on a faith that's worth having, a faith that so shapes our lives that people can't help but want Jesus, passing the baton so well that the generations that come behind us encounter Jesus in powerful ways, helping them also live and love and lead like Him. It's a life worth living, and it's a life worth giving. So keep pursuing Him.